Hello, 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 everybody. This is Living in the Blind Podcast. I'm your host, Sarita. And in this episode, um, I previously recorded this, but um, I went into my library of my recording and that fully hour-long episode that I recorded could not be retrieved. Um, And I don't know why it couldn't be retrieved, but I'm going to basically talk about what I was talking about in that episode. And I did give a warning to this recording before I started recording this. Um, I do talk about my issues with me being visually impaired and dealing with domestic violence in a previous relationship and um, the things that I went through in that relationship. Um, And this is basically me getting off the point of where I was and where I am now and my personality and character and why it changed. Um, This was my personality, how I am now, before entering a relationship and I was always loud, happy, funny, and outgoing. Um, And I lost that along the way in a five-year relationship with a man. um, He was controlling. He was mentally abusive, physically abusive. And I'm going to run down a couple of um, incidents, a few incidents that um, basically helped me realize that um, I needed to get out of that situation. Recently, me and Melvin um, broke up It only lasted for six days. That was the worst six days of my life. Um, I never cried so much, I think, in less than a week. And once you are in a relationship with someone and um, you guys have a routine going and things are always awesome... And then to have it ripped away, it was really heartbreaking for me. Um, In my breakup episode, I talk about where I think we went wrong in things. And, you know, learning to communicate was one of the things that I think me and him learned we have to do. Because I can't see when he's upset and... Um, I, I feel off energy. 
um, and emotions and things that blow off on people are real. So sometimes the vibe that I'm picking up may not be what he's throwing out, but, um, you know, we have to communicate better and we're learning how to do that. And, um, you know, me and Melvin are in such a good place right now. I thank God every day for him. He's my blessing. Um, I'm going through a really debilitating um, bout of carpal tunnel in both hands. Um, It's so bad to the point where feeding myself is painful. Going to the bathroom, I can barely wipe myself um, because the pain in the hands are just that severe. It's really severe. It runs in my right hand all the way up to my neck. And it really is not a kind of pain I'd wish on anybody. Um, But anywho, jumping into this episode, um, Melvin allows me to be who I am. Loud, funny, um, boisterous at times. Uh, I have a potty mouth, um, and he endures, but, um, at the same time, I want him to be who he is too. Um, whether, you know, we just kind of just embrace each other on um, that note or whatever, but this man doesn't complain anything that I ask of him. He'll do backwards for me, and I appreciate that because people search a lifetime to find what this man gives me, and um, to know that I almost lost it, and some people take it for granted I would never take for granted the things um, this man does for me. I I would never take it for granted. So, um, growing back to this point, I'm going to take it back um, to where me losing myself started. It may have been November-ish 2014. And I met this young man. We started dating. And everything was really well. And so his mother started to transition on in life. And um, she was starting to pass away and things. And I made her a promise that, you know, her son would always have a home with me. And that promise started to get harder to keep after she died. Um, things started to go wrong when I had to... Started, I started losing toes and did amputations and 
Um, it started off with me basically being hospitalized for some time and um, me asking this young man to go to a store. Um, he, I guess, didn't want to do it, didn't feel like it, whatever the case may have been. And um, he's, he took my bottle of pain prescriptions that they gave me and I'm thinking that he took them all. I'm worried about his safety at this point. I call 911. He leaves my house and I'm like, well, I don't know if he took the medicine that I had in the bottle or what, but it scared the hell out of me. And um, at that point, like I said, he left and I called a friend to come to the store for me at that point in time. I'm visually impaired, you know, asked him to come take me to the store so I can get, like, things I could put in the microwave easy, and that way I wouldn't have bothered my boyfriend at the time, you know, cooking and all that other stuff, and didn't want him to have to do extra for me because I was just getting back on my really on my independent living type situation and you know my body starts to betray me so you know my friend came through he took me to the store at this point in time boyfriend comes back male friend is in the house Boyfriend starts to take my bed apart. <laughs> and he takes my bed apart. I'm like, okay. I, I I don't even know why he did this. But I, I call the police. I'm trying to get him to go either someplace else at this point. So he can spend the night away from me and give me some space. You're doing dumb stuff. You're taking my bed apart. It doesn't make sense. So my friend at that point was like, well, I'm not going to leave her alone with this dude in this house acting like this. So the longer my friend stays up with me and he has to go to work early in the morning the next day. And, um... You know, I was going to let him sleep in my room. I was going to sleep on the couch. And boyfriend could stay wherever in the house. I had two bedrooms. And he could either stay in the um, other bedroom or he could stay in the living room on the couch, ottoman, whatever. But my friend didn't want to go in the room by himself. So I took my iPad and my phone and I was plugging up my iPad and boyfriend comes and breaks in the door with the knife and um, basically he wants a reason to argue or whatever Um, and I had on a shirt of his that I had on all day and you know he asked for the shirt back I took it off and 
this man picks me up and slams me on the bed. And he does it twice. And at this point, I'm swinging back, fighting back, and I shouldn't have to do that. I'm feeling embarrassed because this is what you do in front of my friend. And also, it it, it was just too much. And I just walked out of my room and I was crying and I got to the front door. Boyfriend is behind me. And at that point, he says, baby, feel this. And he runs my hand across the blades of this knife. And at that point, I just dropped down at my front door and just bawl. My friend comes out the room and he was like, dude, do you realize you could have hurt her really, really bad when you picked her up and you slammed her on that bed, you realized you had that knife in your hand. At that point, I didn't even realize that. At that point, I was just in a different headspace. And it's crazy to look back on it now but he was he started crying I could I I understand I could have hurt her and I I just need some help and so my friend goes next door and calls the police and he actually gets arrested for the domestic violence issue or whatever and um I basically Ended up taking him back after some time had passed. Um, We were talking on the phone. It wasn't like he could come to the apartment to see me or whatever. But um, it, it just was crazy at that point to look back on now. But um, he came back, you know. Everything was cool. And another incident happened. I was in my room and um I I have no idea what we were arguing about. I just remember I was crying and um I was kneeling on the floor with my head on the bed. And he sat a pillow on my head and actually sat on the pillow. And I could not breathe. Um, After that incident occurred, um, it was a point where um, I lost my apartment and I didn't have anyone to help me move or move my things into storage or anything like that. So I had to abandon my whole house in that apartment. And this man 
was in the apartment with me up until a week before this happened. He had somewhere to go. I didn't. And one side secured a new place. Again, we were still in communications, but now that I had this new place, I was like, well, I'm going to let him stay where he is. But the person in me wouldn't do that when he would call and tell me in the middle of summer in 97 degree weather, his dad is making him walk around in the heat instead of letting him stay in the house. He had to go out in the daytime. Um, He had to have his meals cooked before a certain hour. And it, it, it was weird to me because you're a diabetic and you're supposed to eat. And, you know, I know people don't eat. Some people don't eat after a certain time of night. But um, I always was grown up to be in a house where when you're hungry, you eat. Um, that That's always how it's been. Um, there was no stipulations on what we could and couldn't get. Um, we we had we owned the refrigerator, so it's it's always weird to me when people do stuff like that, and it just hurt my heart. And I was like, well, I'm just moving here. You wanna you wanna come back with me? And of course it was yes. And like I said, I was starting over, so I didn't have anything in that house. Um, there wasn't any furniture, any anything. It was just me, basically. And what little I did scrape up, um, my clothes and, you know, other little items that um, I was able to get out of that house. Um, but um, everything was abandoned in that house. Um, I remember in the new house being dragged from one end of my living room to the next end. I remember um, just wanting to get some space away from him and walking outside and um, he picking me up and slamming me outside on the rocks um, outside of my house, my apartment. Um, I remember him getting a knife and um, telling me as he, well, asking me as he put the knife to my chest, am I ready to die? I remember actually peeing on myself from that because um, I thought I w- he was going to kill me. Um, I remember for him asking me a question and you don't like the way that I answer your question. 
being slapped and punched in the face. Um, so I would rather not talk. I started um, being isolated from my friends, from my family. And um, I started to sink deep within myself. And um, I remember it was a girl that lived in the set of apartments that we lived in. And um, basically, the girl said she didn't know I lived there, but you come to use a phone at one o'clock in the morning and you're not acknowledging me as you come into my home and trying to use the phone and he punched me in the nose and it was so hard it was gushing blood I didn't even know and so it, it must have scared the living shit out of him because he was like, oh my God, stop, stop, stop. Your nose is bleeding, your nose is bleeding. And I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't even know it was bleeding. Um, I remember being told that I have only a face a mother could love and my mother doesn't even love me. Um, it was to a point and the hours of sometime in December 2018, I got my stuff. I called the police and I wanted out of the situation. Um, basically, I went and I stayed in a shelter for better than views women here in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, you have to be totally self-sufficient in one of those um, facilities. And being that I was blind, um, I was dealing with wound care because I still had um, issues with amputations and um you know, things of that nature going on, I had to eventually go back home. Um, being in that situation, that element with those women taught me bountiful lessons. Um, and hearing about some people younger than me, and there was one lady in her 80s going through the physical, the emotional abuse uh, at somebody else's hands. And it was it was crazy because this 82, 83-year-old lady, she had disconnected with her family, her children, because of a guy. And it was through me that I reconnected her with her son. 
she was like she hadn't talked to her son in like five years and you know to be a part of something like that was just amazing the ladies at the um shelter who actually worked there they were amazed by me because I guess they never worked with the visually impaired person before and um, learning how to move through the facility with just my cane at the time and um, you know other ladies that were around me they they helped tremendously as well so um, but you had to be totally self-sufficient in that place and it was crazy because they had like a um a laundry facility that was down in the basement. Um I couldn't I, I I couldn't go down there. So other young ladies would, you know, wash my clothes for me. It was um they had a um a flat surface touchscreen stove. I couldn't use that. Um, because everything is flat. I need at least a bump dart or something to let me know this is the on button. This is how you turn it off. And basically, they weren't equipped to have a person like me in their facility. So I had to go back home. Um, You were only allowed... I believe 60 days in the facility and within that 60 days you had to formulate a plan um, to find your own shelter um, to secure whatever you needed to secure and you know that was basically it you had to you had to find your way out it you they just gave you a place to do it safely you know um, nobody's allowed to know where the facility is and that's, you know, the right precautions to take um, if you're dealing with domestic violence issues. And, um, <laughs> but you you have to basically do things on your own. Find jobs, um, find housing, um, Basically, um, if you have children, you have to find, like, daycare or schooling for your kids or whatever you need to secure. Um, but I had to go back home. Most of the ladies that were there, um, they had already left that were, you know, helping me out or whatever. And I could not be there by myself. So at that point, I had to go back home. And of course, everything was lovely, as it always is, when you first get back into one of those situations. And, um, you know, it, it was it was okay going back home at first. And then all of the other drama started. Um... I remember being, I I used to take medicines to fall asleep. Um, And with that being said, I took some medicine one night 
and a friend of mine was at my house and he invited one of his male friends over. I'm in the room sleeping. I'm being threatened with a baseball bat if his friend comes to my house and I don't have on a bra that he was going to wake me up hitting me with the bat. I mean, I was I was asleep and most of the time I usually slept through the night with taking that medication. Um and his friend never came. So, you know, it was for nothing, being threatened for nothing. Um it was a point where um uh, the stealing of the pain pills, um, him wanting me to ask my doctors to write me prescriptions for pills that they were not going to give me and I was not going to ask for them. Um, because at that point in time, I was beyond that point of seeking them. And, um, I wasn't going to get flags, red flags, um, by anybody because of me asking for something that I didn't need. Um, financial abuse as well. Um, I had the only income coming in and anybody knows that, um, the, 700 and some odd dollars we were getting at the beginning of um, those those earlier days it didn't go far and what we're getting now 794 is still not going far um, I had the only income I was responsible for paying for all the bills washing my clothes and his clothes and with that he wanted every dime that I had wanted me to spend my money his way um and I've learned that you know now it does not take me giving him $40 to wash my clothes and his clothes you get what I'm saying um you know and it was just trying to control my financial moves um let's see what else um it was uh I believe um October of 2019. No, it wasn't even 2019. It was... I believe earlier than that. It was like a tropical storm hit. And I was telling him, you know, go ahead and cook something so we'll have something to eat in the oncoming days. And... You know, 
we just have to make sure we're secure. We have food that we can eat. Oh, the light thing go out. The light thing go out. Blah blah. And I was like, well, I'm going to make sure that I eat. And I ordered me two boxes of food from the Chinese restaurant, and um, it was just pork fried rice and chicken wings. Um. I ordered two orders of those and basically I was going to be fine when this storm came. And sure as the day is long, the storm came and it knocked out the power. We didn't have power for like two days so here go me again with my big heart. I give him a box of my Chinese food. And, you know, everything's cool. He's eating, I'm eating. When the lights finally come back on, I'm telling him, well, hey, listen, I'm hungry. Um, Can you go to the store across the street or, you know, and... At this point in time, he used to go to the store across the street for a lady that lives in the complex religiously every morning when the store opened. It didn't matter whether it was raining, cold outside. It could have been blizzarding out. And he was getting up and he was going to make sure that this lady had what she needed never asked me, hey, I'm going to the store. Do you want something? None of that was ever asked. But, um, you know, I let him know, you know, I'm hungry. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, instead of spending the last little bit of money that I do have, we have some chicken tenders in the freezer. Can you put some of those in the oven for me? He got mad and told me all I do is think about my fucking stomach and he threw the frozen pack of chicken tenders at my head. Um, Instant reaction was to throw it back and that started an issue. And then um, he brought a female to my home and Basically, he was telling me that that was a female that wanted to marry him and she wanted him um, basically with her and she'd come from maybe about 45 minutes away on either John's or James Island at a store somewhere. And um, she took him out and they went and got um, church's chicken and stuff like that, and it it was it was crazy. And um, when she came back, he was tell like I told her, I said, well, he said all this stuff. So if you want him, I showed her the room where his stuff was at, and I told her, please take him. Um. At that point, I realized I was done. Um, 
I remember me basically not wanting to have sex with this man and this man digging his nails deep in my breast that I thought he was going to rip the nipples off of my breast. Um, it was so painful. Um, it, it was just so many things that were wrong that I put up with and, um, it was one that it was the one night, late night. This girl came over to my house. He was asleep, and well, he was pretending to be asleep because he didn't answer his phone. And she decided to call my phone, and I'm like, "Well, he's asleep. He got up out the bed, and I wasn't." sleeping most of the time I just sit up and I listen to books and um you know other things on YouTube and he got mad because I would not go to sleep and I'm like I do this all the time what are you talking about he went in my refrigerator and made her Kool-Aid and I asked him to make me some Kool-Aid, but he wouldn't make me Kool-Aid. And it was crazy because you bend over backwards for this lady. I I told her we had water in my house and you you make her something that you wouldn't make for me. Um, And I think... (laughs) Most of those things were needed to be an eye-opener and basically let me know that you needed to get out of the situation. And I was wondering how. And um, it came in a package of a gift. And... The young lady that is an aide, basically, um, she's been working on and off with me for years. Um, she was coming to get me, and basically, I, I, I turned my iPad on as a phone. Um... Because usually um, I was either watching something on the iPad and listening to something on the phone or talking on the phone, however it was. But I had the iPad and she was telling me she was about to pull up and I was walking out the door. He had a counselor over talking to a counselor and I'm walking out the door and... He, oh, shut up and that, that, and started cursing and acting stupid. And I'm like, I'm on my way out the door. So he gets up and starts pushing me out of the door. I don't have good balance on my own, so 
I'm trying to stop myself from falling out the door. And I'm telling him, stop. You, you, you don't have to push me. I'm going out the door. Stop. And he pushes me out the door and slams the door behind me and locks it. And one of my neighbors see. And my neighbor, she stopped my aide as she was coming um, in the yard and basically told her what was going on. But my aide came, my aide was like, well, why is it that I'm getting stopped and being told that you just was putting your hands on her? And basically, he was like, no, I was just helping her out the door. No, you weren't. You were pushing me out the door. So as a state-mandated reporter, she had to do her job. She called the police. Unlike the state-mandated reporter that was sitting in my house that didn't call the police, um, basically, the state-mandated reporter and my neighbors got into it, as well as my aide. And it was was then that... um, my aide took me, took me, got some of my stuff, and I stayed at her house for about a month. In that month, I got a restraining order and all that good stuff and um, was finally free of that burden. But I took some L's with that, some losses with that. Um, basically, he trashed my house, thrown away some of my clothes, cut up some of my clothes. And like I said, I didn't have a lot to begin with, um, but you you damaged my stuff and I had put, a, I was leasing a TV. And basically he took the TV, he, I don't even know what he did to it. Um, the TV had like two or three holes in it and um, it, it was just crazy because it, it, and he put it on the back porch and it, it was just crazy. And I thank God that I had people around me that helped me, um, basically clean my house back up and, um, pretty much get back into living independently again. Um, I, when I met Melvin, it was about a year after, well, no, I met him about April or March or April of 2020. Um, We kind of stopped talking for a minute and then we picked back up and at the end of September, beginning of October of 2020, and we made it official at the end of October 2020. And he, Melvin is such a breath of fresh air from the things I've been through. Even with arguing with Melvin is not really an argument because he never raises his voice. He may get angry, but it's not, it's, 
it's like it's like arguing with the cartoon character and that that's not to say that um he's soft or anything he's just soft spoken and to get your point across you don't have to yell or even put your hands on somebody you can get your point across by just opening up your mouth and speaking because we we do talk and um he gets his point across you know very very eloquently when we talk and um we we pretty much don't even argue or anything so i mean to me that's kind of a great thing that you don't have to argue with the person you don't have to fight with the person so you can be who you want to be and you know a lot of that that letting me be who I am came from him helping me get out this dark place I was in being in this relationship for five years and it was just five years of basically torture so um And anybody going through that, I advise you to um, basically seek help. Tell everybody you know. And if you don't get this, continue telling until you do get the satisfaction. So you do get the help that you need to get out. Um, Especially if you're visually impaired like I am. But, um, so... I am going to end this here. Um, I hope you guys had a uh, a greater glimpse into who I am and the things I've been through and how I choose to express me being blind and the difficult things that you know other people may not want to talk about but um I I do so and so the next time guys I am Sarita Jackson this is living in the blind podcast and um I'll talk to you guys next time bye